Hey, what's up, everybody? Thank you for joining me today on this incredibly special podcast. I have the one and only queen of content, Danielle Kunkel Roberts, here with me today. And we are excited because if you guys don't know who she is, which is incredibly insane if you don't, she is the co-owner of Boomer Benefits, one of the largest insurance Medicare specialized agencies in the country. And she's here today to talk to us about a lot of awesome things, including some AEP prep stuff. But we're going to start our conversation a little bit different today because we started talking about something off uh, off camera. And I think this is something you guys want to hear about. So Danielle, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you this morning? I'm terrific. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to share with the audience about the news that you've gotten today from the NAHU, uh, the last meeting that you were at. Let's talk a little bit about two of the very important topics that agents are, uh, I don't know if the word is, some are concerned, some aren't concerned, some are just wondering what's going to happen. There's two important topics regarding the dental vision hearing being built into Medicare and Mm -hmm. regarding Medicare at age 60. Tell us what's been going on. Yeah. So if people are not aware, uh, NAHU is a tremendous organization and such a good support for those of us in the industry. And my particular opinion is that if you are somebody selling Medicare insurance and you are aiming for a six-figure or seven-figure lifestyle at some point, you cannot invest $35 or so a month better in anything to save your career and your future. And so um, I think a lot of agents are really unaware of what happens at a national level with this organization, but we literally have people that are going into the White House, into um, Congress, meeting with staff and committee members and getting us a seat at the table um, and discussing What's best for beneficiaries that all of us agents know? And so two of the things that I know all of the agent community has been kind of waiting and watching to see, and also Medicare beneficiaries too, are the dental vision and hearing piece being added to um, Medicare itself, as you mentioned, and the Medicare at 60. So for a number of months in the meetings that we've had, I participate in um, NAHU's Medicare advisory group, and we meet once a month to talk about all these issues, and we have things that we do in support of all these initiatives. And for a number of months, it looked like for sure the dental vision and hearing had the best chance, and Medicare at 60 was a possibility. And now it seems uh, in the most recent meetings that we've had that it looks like neither of those things may happen as soon as we had thought. And um, in my view as an agent, that's a good thing. I know there's a lot of uh, probably diverse opinions about that out there, but you have to know on, on, the, on those levels that those would have been two um, very, very expensive undertakings for our nation. And I had a lot of concerns about what these might ha- what might happen with the Medicare Part B premiums. People already think those are too high. When you bring in dental vision and hearing, you know, what does that happen? And so as we've seen Congress these last few weeks um, trying to come to an agreement on a spending bill, um, there's been some holdouts and they're having to trim some of that budget. And because those initiatives across the country so much, it looks like they may not, they, uh, they aren't going to happen or they may not happen. And so um, I'll keep you posted. I'm happy to, to update you on this, Eric. And if we see developments along the way, we can hop on and do another call. But um, I think the good news for us right now is that we don't see these things happening. And so we, we won't have to worry just yet about how those things would be rolled out and whether they would encroach upon the business that we do with our customers. 
Yeah, I think it's really important. Two things that you pointed out there. One of them is that the organization, the NHHU, is going to be uh, an organization that's lobbying on our behalf as insurance Absolutely. agents that goes to Congress and goes to the White House to try to make sure that we can continue doing what we're doing and also represent the beneficiaries the best way possible. It's also, I think, something important because maybe a lot of people who are hearing that news about the DVH and about uh, Medicare at 60, they, they were kind of thinking, hey, this is a great new opportunity. Medicare at 60 means that we're going to have more people to go see. But it's not always about just the, you know, our bottom line. It's not always about how much money we can make or, you know, how many people we can go and, and talk to. Sometimes it's about, well, hey, is this actually good for the program and its longevity, right? Yeah. There's already so many people who, or so many projections out there saying that Medicare is going broke itself, the original Medicare program. So how is it that taking on more? Because they're going to say, oh, well, you get more tax dollars. Well, still, if its current design isn't good enough, I don't really understand how bringing more people on to the program is going to benefit. But maybe you could speak to that a little bit. Yeah, I don't think it's a good idea that we um, have any type of policy that these folks would come in and it would be a public option or something that we would subsidize. Um, all of those things <clears throat> are a danger to our careers. And <clears throat> I also don't trust the government to be able to communicate the things that we communicate with our clients. We see this fail all the time. People are continually reading the Medicare and Union handbook and not understanding, and they need agents to explain things. And if you suddenly throw um, products like we have in Medicare that are that complicated up onto an ACA website or the healthcare exchange, um, I just think that's a slippery slope. And so I know a lot of agents will say, yeah, that's more customers for us to sell to. Well, maybe, but we don't know what they're going to build in around all that legislation. Maybe they're going to put those Medicare Advantage plans up on uh, the healthcare exchange and you won't be participating in any of those enrollments. So mm. make sure if you're going to have an opinion about these things that you're educated and the best way for you to be educated about how those things will affect you, in my opinion, is to be a member and to get involved. And uh, there's been a number of things that I've done over the year, coaching of agents. One of my first questions is, are you a member of the National Association? Because I want to, don't want to spend time um, educating someone on all of this stuff and, and then having them not put the money behind um, this membership. It's relatively inexpensive. One policy that you could sell could pay for it, but those dollars are so desperately needed for the work that's being done in Washington. And I just can't stress it enough. So anybody watching, if you have a question, feel free to drop in the comments below this video, wherever you see it, or you can send your questions to Eric and he can send them on to me, but I'm happy to fill you in on all those things and why it's important if you ever want to have a conversation about it. How do they go about becoming a member? Yeah, really easy to join. So you go to nahu.org, find a chapter in your local area. And I think I may have shared this on some of the other videos I've done in the past, but uh, you can totally get a membership to pay for itself. When I joined, I immediately volunteered for the board got on the board and was around the movers and shakers. All these agents in there are group agents. They don't want to write Medicare stuff. So you go in there and you introduce yourself and you get referrals. In fact, just yesterday, and this has been happening to me since 2007 when I joined and decided I would make something of myself within the organization, one of those group agents that I've literally known now for 12 years said, hey, I've been sending my Medicare Advantage referrals to you guys all year long. Would it be possible for me to have a dedicated agent at your office so that my clients are always dealing with the same person? Mm 
Nice. And that is just one. That is one. And I haven't been active on my my presidency in the local Fort Worth chapter was back in 2011-12. So I can't even tell you how many hundreds of referrals that I've gotten from that organization just by getting to know agents who don't want to write Medicare <laughs> and making sure to forge a relationship with them. So, you know, this is some basic sales things. You, you sell Medicare products. You need to get out there meet people, tell them what you do, and then offer, hey, if you ever run across this kind of client, this is what I do. I'd love to um, help them. And and you can write tons of policies from that. So there's a number of other ways you can get involved in, in the broker to broker board that Nahu has, and you can post your questions up there to a bunch of other agents. And uh, weekly, people are in there saying, hey, I've got a client in wherever Kansas, any agents there that are licensed and another agent will respond and pick up that business. So there's just no reason. There's no reason not to be involved in this organization. Yeah, that's great advice. That's really great advice. It's a great referral source and a great way to start getting some. Again, if the if the membership fee is 35 bucks a month, you just need one person to refer you a client. You got that covered. So definitely yeah. great advice. And I think everybody should be getting uh, joining that because they're only out there fighting on our behalf. Absolutely. So, I think we want to move into now the AEP prep side of things because yeah. you have a lot of great advice that you can give there. You've been in the industry and incredibly, uh, you know, uh, and done incredibly well in this industry. You have now a hundred employees that are working at Boomer, Boomer Benefits, and the question that um, you know we're going to kind of start covering is uh, first. It's not going to be able, I can't just say, hey, what do you currently do in your practice? Because it won't necessarily translate to the audience that's listening, right? There's going to be mm -hmm. people who are uh, solopreneurs, right? Independent agents uh, working on their own. There's going to be people who have a team of one or two, team that have a uh, people that have a team of 20. But what we want to do is we want this podcast to be relatable to as many agents as possible. So that's why we're going to kind of stick to things you're going to be able to hark back to when you were just by yourself or you and your brother, you know? And so you'll, because a lot of the advice that you were doing back then obviously is what led to the success you have today, but there's even things that your team is probably doing today that is translatable to what the independent agent working by themselves can utilize. Mm -hmm. So I think first and foremost, let's talk about when it comes to AEP, let's talk about mentality, the mentality that you should have going in. Uh, a lot of people don't realize, even if you just sell med subs, even for us, year after year, the majority of the med subs we sell during the year happen during AEP. Yes. Like, you know, we, we still, I don't know if it was a majority, but it was something like, I think it was like 45% of the subs that we write happen in those in that short amount of time mm -hmm. when the rest happen throughout the year. Um, but obviously for Medicare Advantage, this is the time to do it. So Talk to us a little bit about the mentality you should have going in to this AEP starting October 15th. Yeah. So, you, you know, as an agent that the AEP is kind of shooting fish in a barrel because they're squishing 60 million plus people into a time frame and all of those people need to make a change. And so you're going to be just be having clients and people on Medicare that are more receptive to the sales pitches that you're making all year long to them. But this is the time of year when they're going out and um, trying to find answers and make changes to their products. And so your chances are always better selling in this season. And I think a lot of agents get really excited about it. Um, it's a time of year that we gear up for when you get to boomer benefits size, <laughs> it's kind of like, no, here it comes. Um, but something I would share is that your mentality about the AEP should be annual. 
too many agents wait and start thinking about this in August each year, and that kind of puts you a little behind the times. I have seen some posts in the Facebook groups recently with people, you know, putting together mailers for their clients and they're doing all these things, and it's a heavy, um, heavy time investment. And that doesn't mean that you won't spend more time for sure in July, August, and September. But if you're going to scale your agency, you really need to have an annual look at this. So for us, when we come out of the AEPA every year, we are closely studying what the call volume was, how many people we had on our sales team, how many people we had on our service team, was it enough? Um, how long were our customers on hold? And in January, Dave and I are sitting down with our managers to talk about projection wise, if this is the number of apps that we're writing every month in the in season, here's the number of apps we wrote in the AEP season. How many now do we need to plan for next year? And we are immediately hiring and planning for that. And even at a small agency, let's just say it's you or you and an admin, maybe a business partner, something like that those numbers are relevant and you should know exactly what those numbers are from your last AEP and then progressing accordingly because you know you're going to go out there and you're going to be building your business starting in January for 10 months before the AEP comes around. That means when you get to the AEP, it's going to be bigger than it was last year and you need to be prepared for that. So the best advice that I can give that has worked for us as we've grown is never to look at this as something that's just part of your business in the fall. You should have a plan every month of the year about how you're preparing to get as many clients as possible when you get to that point, how to keep those clients that you already have happy. Because I will tell you, when you're a smaller agency, you have time to write the Part D for anyone that asks. But when you have thousands and thousands of people on your books, that will not be the same. And, and that's a really hard transition to make if you're not planning every year for what the next step is, how will we serve our clients when we have this many more clients next year, all of whom are we gonna be calling in asking, should I change my plan? And then how do we deal with that level of volume and write new business and get those people on the books for the next year? So make it 12 months, it's a 12 month plan for your business. That's awesome. Um, do you think that agents should be working during the AEP seven days a week? Or do you think uh, that would lead to burnout? It will lead to burnout. But the answer for me, at least when we were smaller is yes. I can remember 7 a.m. in the morning, clearing the voicemails, getting ready. It was just Dave and I at that point and, and working all day. And I can remember closing the office at 10, 11, 11.30 at night and knowing we'd be back there in eight hours. And if you're really an entrepreneur, that kind of um, drive will, you don't care, right? You're like, I'm going to work really hard and I can rest when this gets done. So that would be my personal approach to if, if we were smaller. Um, as you grow, you get enough staff in there so that you don't have to work those kind of hours, right? You can have a team, uh, you can make Saturday overtime for the people that work for you. You can say, you know, and I'm not going to answer emails on Sunday, but I'm going to get up a little earlier Monday to get to anyone that did email me on Sunday, you know, build in some rest and some self-care for you for sure. But if you want to put in the hours and you thrive on that, there's no reason why you shouldn't, because you're going to get a lot of people on your books. Yeah. I mean, it's actually, it's a little different than when you're, when you're working leads throughout the rest of the year during AEP, because as you mentioned before, so many more people are receptive to having conversations during this time. You have the mm -hmm. commercials pumping 24 seven on all the news media outlets and on the regular media outlets. And so when you call to, to talk about Medicare, people are ready to talk. So it's not like it's, it's a, it's going to be 
uh, wear you out because you're constantly getting no, 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 no. During the AEP, you're going to find a lot more people receptive and therefore it becomes more exciting to mm-hmm. want to just keep hitting it during that time. So yeah, I definitely remember our first few AEPs seven days a week. That's what we were doing. We were working seven <laughs> days a week. And, and so I, that's why I wanted to bring up that question because there's going to be some people who are just getting started. In fact, one of the questions that's asked is from somebody who is going into their very first AEP. And I think that it's important to kind of have that mentality set up already that, okay, for the next 50 something days, I'm going to expect to work and, and it's mm-hmm. going to be worth it because this is a great way to kickstart your block of business, especially if you're brand new. To yes. Um, do you have, you know, so if we're, if we're talking about, again, we're, we're talking about great mentality. We're talking about how we should be working, how often we should be working. Let's talk about kind of like a good preferred time split with your day. So every day that you come in, should you do like first 30 minutes checking emails, then two hours of calling one hour of follow-up with carriers? Like what's good time management look like for you during AEP? Mm-hmm. It's very important that you have somebody that's helping you that's doing the back end stuff. So even if that's you hiring a VA for 20 hours a week, um, that investment will pay off. It just to allow you the time to do the sales and that stuff on the back end, checking for carrier approvals, um, making sure all the documents are in place, following up with the client to say, hey, yep, we did get you switched back to original Medicare. Your Medigap was approved. Now let's disenroll you from this Medicare Advantage product. Those kind of conversations, depending on which route they're going. Um, those are all things that a, a VA can handle for the you behind the scenes. And you're just the person that's on the phone with the client. That's what we did when we were small. It was just us. And the first person we brought into our agency, she did the admin work during that first AEP or two, and we were selling. And then when we realized that we weren't going to be able to keep up with all those clients, then we brought her in and she started selling. We brought in another admin and that's how you go about doing it. So don't be afraid to invest in your business in the AEP. Uh, if that's going to allow you the time to get out and get in front of people. And in terms of getting in front of people, you can do that in a million different ways. You can buy leads. Um, you can go and do health fairs. You can do the, they have the Walmarts and Walgreens and some of those things that the carriers are offering. Any way that you get out there and you get in front of people is great. And what you don't want is to be coming back at the end of the day to a hundred emails and all of these phone calls. Um, it's better that you have someone that greets you as you come back and says, hey, here's the things that I took care of today while you were out selling. And here's the couple of things that you are personally going to have to do. Um, I always feel like when I'm talking with agents all the time, they fail to invest their in their business um, in that in that aspect soon enough. So you, you don't, of course, we don't want to spend the money. We're working so hard to make the money. And then you're going to bring in this person. You want me to pay this VA over here, but uh, it will make you a better salesperson. You won't be so frazzled and you'll have the time to dedicate to the clients who have questions. So that investment of some help for you, you have to anticipate that before you need it. And we still do this at Boomer Benefits today, where we are forecasting when we think we're going to need this person. We don't need them yet, but who is that? Um, Some of you have heard my HR story from this year where I waited too long till I finally hired an HR rep and I was doing all of the HR myself and it was literally drowning me. And so even people at our level of production still make that mistake sometimes. And I would share with you, get some help to do all of that administrative work so that you can focus on selling. And then when your agency gets a little bigger, there's going to be in reverse. There's going to be a time where you have to step out of the selling so that you can work on the business 
so the people in the business can be working with your clients. And again, forecasting that and putting the numbers down and planning for the next year, that all plays into that same concept. Yeah, 100%. I think that anybody who is looking at any kind of true growth with their business, you can only do it on your own for so long. So I'm going to speak to all the control freaks out there because I'm one of them, right? (laughs) It's hard for me to let go of things because I'm a control freak and I want to make sure that it's done right. So I'm telling you guys who are listening that are control freaks that there has to come a time and it needs to be sooner rather than later where you need to start letting go of certain things that frees up your time so that you're not constantly in the business and you can start working on the business or even more importantly, even working on some of the more things that you're passionate about. Um, you know, obviously with what you've done, you've been able to hire people to, to help you with the selling, to help you with customer retention, to help you with HR. This leads you to the ability to now be able to participate more with the NHU and mm-hmm. uh, focus on, on doing things that you're passionate about along with growing your business. So uh, you would say, what would you say, I guess, the first position that an independent agent who's working by themselves, what's mm-hmm. the first position they should hire out? Yeah, you're definitely going to be hiring that back end support. So I will say this, you know, sometimes when you're a newer, fresher agent and, and you're not a person who naturally loves sales, it can be really easy for you to say, well, maybe I'll hire the salesperson and I'll oversee that. But in every piece of your company, you have to be doing it first. That's just how I view it. It's better for you to do it first and learn the ins and outs. And then once you know all of that, you can hire for that position. So you could um, be somebody that is a, gets really good at sales and then you hire another salesperson. But again, both of you are going to be doing all that back-end work, the service work, the people that are calling in and you're switching out a drug plan, which is not going to result in any new premium for you. It's just a replacement. Um, those that's not new business that's hitting your business, your bottom line. So I think you start with um, an admin uh, part-time. It could be a virtual assistant and uh, it'd be even great if you worked with them and said, I'm looking to hire someone about 15 hours a week or 20 hours a week, but I want that person to grow with me eventually to 30 hours a week or 40 hours a week. Get someone up front that uh, has some flexibility there to grow with you. Hire that first until you're selling so much that you can't see straight. (laughs) And then you hire a second salesperson after you already have that admin in there. And then naturally, after a little bit of time, you'll need another admin and so on. Yes, that's perfect. Um, I give you the moniker the queen of content. I don't know if that's already been given to you, but I like (laughs) calling you that. Okay. Because people and myself rave about the content that you put out for consumers via your YouTube channel, via your blogs and articles that you put out uh, via, Oh, oh, let me, let me just pull it out via, (laughs) via your book. Thank you. (laughs) So I think that it's um, an important question to be asked that during the AEP should agents still focus on creating content during the AEP or should they just be focused on selling? Why or why not? Which way? Yeah. Um, So if you're still actively growing your business and you want to capture as much of that AEP market as possible, you should be planning ahead of time and filming the videos ahead of time, writing the blog posts ahead of time. You can do all of those things in the summertime or the spring even you can get them all written and queued up on your website to publish on a certain date, to launch on a certain date, to do, you know, I'm not filming YouTube videos right now. That content has been filmed in the past. Um, and there will come a time 
so for for us here at Boomer Benefits, we will continue to put out content all the way through the AEP because I have the marketing team to do it. But there has been times where I did plan some content, and then when I we got to the AEP, I actually held the content back because we were so busy we didn't we didn't want to bring in new business. We didn't have the ability to support it, which a is a great position to, to be in. <laughs> but again, you wouldn't be in that position if you had done the proper planning. And so I've learned that lesson over the years. Um, and you have to know there's algorithms out there that monitor how quickly you're putting out blog posts and YouTube videos. And if every year there's this great big gaping hole in the fall, we don't know what that may be doing to um, hold you back on the number of views and subscribers and um, people that opt into your email list, all of that stuff. So write the content ahead of time and put it out during the AP when you're busy doing other things. Nobody won't know. Nobody's going to know that you didn't just film that yesterday or you didn't write that post yesterday. It's new to them. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, what I want to do now is I want to move into a segment where we have some agents who are asking some questions that wanted to hear some answers, particularly um, questions they okay. had about their situation. So one of the agents, Gary Edwards, because I told him I'd give every agent a shout out who I use their question. Gary okay, Edwards, hi, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> he asks, uh, what do you think is the best thing to do for an agent who's going into AEP for the very first time? Mm, good. So your first AEP is a learning experience and you need to give yourself a lot of grace because you probably will, you may, you may get down on yourself if you're struggling to find business those first couple of years and you're looking out there at bigger agencies um, like Boomer Benefits or Medicare FAQ or some of the top producers that we all know and love from the Facebook groups, um, you know, you might, you might have some imposter syndrome and say, is there room for me? The first thing you need to know is there's totally room for you. There's so much business out there. I mean, we're just scratching the surface of what could potentially be written. There are still tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of beneficiaries out there that are doing all of this themselves and don't even know there's an agent that could help them. So that's the business that you're going after and you want to find your little piece of it. Um, that being said, you know, sales is really simple. Again, you go out and meet as many people as possible, tell them what you do, and then make offers to help them on the back end when they know somebody. You might want to reach out to local agents that you know that sell group insurance. Uh, maybe you want to join NAHU and get on the board so that some of those agents will know you and refer you business during the AEP, right? Yeah. Um, but I want you to give yourself some grace because it, some of what you do in that first AEP may be sloppy. Um, I guarantee you that in 15 years, you'll look back at it very fondly and you'll smile at yourself and some of the stumbles that you may have made. Um, but for you and at that time in that first AEP, this is just about making as many connections in the Medicare realm as possible. So um, you will have agents and groups will have all kinds of opinions about whether X marketing or Y marketing or Z marketing works or it doesn't. Um, I don't know if you, you are um, in very well connected, Eric, and I don't know if you've seen some of what Christian Brindle has put out on about this, about his um, sort of the feed the beast and being uh, out there in all these other places. I love the idea of omni-channel. So when you're new, you need to meet those people however you want to meet them or however you can meet them. And it doesn't matter if someone out there says, well, mailers suck or sitting in Walgreens sucks, and that's a bad way to do business. I can guarantee you they're agents that write business that way and meet people that way that are killing it. And so it's going to work for you if you work for it. Yeah. Um, so if you run across an opportunity, great. 
but you can, you can drum up that business. However, don't just wait for it to fall in your lap, go out there and make connections, introduce yourself in the community to many places as possible. Find out if there's speaking engagements. If you don't have money to invest to buy leads during that time of year to get your business off the ground, then you're going to have to beat the street, put some boots on the ground and get out there where people can meet you and know you and potentially refer to you. I love that. You know, and one of the biggest things that I that I want to take away from that and reemphasize is how you mentioned to give yourself grace. Too many agents that I speak to compare themselves way too often mm-hmm. to other producers who have been in the business and doing well for a long time. And I don't think it's a good idea to compare yourself to other people. I think you should only be comparing yourself to yourself. Look at what you did the previous year. Now, if this is your first year, you have nothing to compare to. So just go out and, and hustle, just like you mentioned. But if you've been in here in the AEP a few times now, I still don't think it's a good idea to compare yourself to others. Just compare yourself to your own track record. If you yes. wrote 50 apps last AEP, go for 60 this AEP. As long as you're progressing and doing better year after year, you're building a business. And so mm-hmm. I just don't like to hear when people are just like, man, it's just like, I don't get it. I don't get what I'm doing differently that they're doing and they're doing so much better. All these comparison games is what causes people to get deflated and mm-hmm. to not give the best effort. And that's the ultimate yeah. thing here is we're trying to make sure that every year, year after year, you're giving your best effort to grow and giving yourself the best chance. And so I love how you say to allow yourself some grace, you know, be yeah. Kind. Yeah, it doesn't matter that there's a million other people out there selling these products. I guarantee you there's enough seniors out there that you're going to meet a few and sell them as well. So don't worry about the next guy. Compare your progress to your own progress a year before. This is your starting point, Gary. You're going to have this year, you're going to see how many apps that you write. You're going to see where were things difficult. When the end, when you get to the end of the AEP, you need to open a Word document on your computer and make all of the notes, put them all in there, all in your thoughts on, I wish I had done this better. Hey, at next year, I need to remember this Um, questions for yourself save that while it's all fresh in your mind because too many agents will wait like I said earlier all the way until the next July when certifications start happening to start their plans and you're going to have forgotten by then a lot of those lessons that you learned so make sure you're writing them down at the end of the AP everything you remember all your thoughts on where you can improve Um, say to yourself that I hope by next AEP set a goal where do you want to get to before AEP and then how many you want to write in the next AEP do that all at the end of this year when it's really fresh in your mind Amen. So the next agent who had a question for you is Veronica Roll. She asks, how do you build a good customer support team from ground zero? Like how much access do you allow the customer team to have to your customer info? Uh, do they need to be licensed? Uh, do, and and uh, how do they access benefits into, uh, let me see how she worded the question. But basically she wants to know how you build out this team and a few specifics on it. Yeah, I recommend licensing them for sure, because you don't want to be responsible for that somebody has a HIPAA breach because they didn't go through the training that we get for free when we um, do certifications every year about all of those things. And there's certain kind of conversations that they can get into with clients on the phone that they really shouldn't unless they're licensed. And so we have always defaulted to licensing them. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't have like what I said about a VA, the kind of person when they're doing approval calls. Hey, uh, Nancy, this is 
Sue from Boomer Benefits. I'm calling on behalf of Danielle Roberts to let you know that policy work she wrote for you last week is going to be effective on January 1st, blah, blah. They can do those kind of things. But <clears throat> there's a whole list of duties in, that an admin may do in service, uh, in service work for your company. And you should go through those and carefully decide what things would need to be done if they were only licensed and what things you could hand off to maybe uh, somebody that's more almost like a receptionist with the, some clerical help and not an agent style. And the second thing is that's going to be hard to do if you don't pay them fairly. You know, you're not going to bring in the kind of caliber of person to handle a job like this if you don't pay them adequately. And you need to look in the market in your area. And you can do this very easily by just Googling some things or looking in places like ZipRecruiter and Indeed and Salary.com to find out what do customer service folks make in your area and make sure that you're paying them well so that you're not bringing in somebody that isn't the caliber of person that you would want talking to your, those clients are your money. Mm -hmm. You have to be careful that you hire people who are going to sound good, who can spell and have good grammar and the communications with those clients, really important. Yep. And so you need to, if you're going to pay them $10 an hour, you may not get that kind of quality of person. So you need to be competitive with whatever that market rate is in your area. And, and if, if that's going to be tough for you to be able to afford that, then hire them for as many hours as you could handling those things. Maybe you're looking for part-time, lots of moms out there that would love a nine to three job during the AEP. Um, look for people like that. If you, if the pay rate is going to be too much for you to spend 40 hours a week on. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, one, one of the questions too, just to clarify, when you do hire a customer support specialist, I mean, they normally will have access to all of your client info, correct? Yes. Because yep. I mean, they in would your need CRM, to. they would need to. Yeah. Okay. All right. So um, Jackie Laser asks, what does your SEO or who does your SEO because you're ranking above <laughs> Medicare.gov? <laughs> Thanks, Jackie. That's good. Thanks for noticing. <laughs> um so we do have a secret weapon. We call him the secret weapon at Boomer Benefits, and that's all I'll say about that. Right. Um, but I will tell you, so uh, I mentioned earlier about always doing things yourself first, and that that has been something that I've always done this way, even back when I was working uh, for other people before my life in insurance. Um, I like to learn first before I hire someone for something. So um, many years ago, I was dating someone who was building um, a local DJ business. And we were trying to figure out, you know, how do we get on Google where someone would type in uh, Dallas Fort Worth DJ and you know and we appear and and we didn't know that and this is back in like I don't know 2003 or four and so I was started to study that and look online about it and then I realized some of the words I didn't even know what they were talking about when they were talking about the coding that needs to happen in your website behind the scenes to be able to rank for that so I went out to the local community college and found an HTML course and learned how to build the website a very basic this is before WordPress right yeah, yeah. very basic website but when but that has served me so well because over the years there have been times where something isn't working and I've needed to get into the code behind the scenes on my website and be able to do those things. And so once we got that up and the website was up there, we noticed, hey, it's still not ranking. We built this website. It doesn't even appear. Why is that? So did some Googling. How do you get your website to appear on page one? And then ran into something called SEO. 
And then I went out and I invested a ton of money on SEO classes that I took and I studied it and studied it and studied it until I became a really good SEO person. And so I did the SEO myself for that business and then later for Boomer Benefits, um, all in the beginning, all by myself so that I would know enough to hire a good SEO person later down the line, be able to terminate SEO people that might try to sneak in black hat or even gray hat tactics. Mm. Um, If you're involved in SEO at all, you know what some of those things are. I'm always watching competitors put, (laughs) put out links that are horrendously bad when Google figures out what you're doing. And that may work for a short time, but when they catch you, they're going to kick you to the curb. So you need to learn how to do all that stuff yourself so that you can keep an eye on the SEO person or team that you later do bring in to make sure that they're in line with the things that you know uh, are above board with Google. Yes. And you, you, it's so easy to fail at that and get Google to tank your website just because you hire someone when you know absolutely nothing about doing it. So Eventually with uh, SEO, when I was too busy, I brought in marketing people on my team to do that. And um, now even the, the junior members of our team have regular SEO training just so that they know enough not to make a mistake on content or something that could potentially hurt us. And they're not even the secret weapon. I'm just saying uh, you have to know how to do things yourself in your business. And I've done that with everything, with SEO, with Facebook, Um, I I learn always how to do it myself first, and then I go out and I hire someone who can do it better than me, but they're never going to come into my office and tell me some word that I've never heard of before, and I don't know what that means. Um, you need to have enough, you need to have enough knowledge to oversee them and, and keep, uh, keep growing. And you need to know the things that are going to put you in Facebook jail and have Google, you know, derank your website. Those are all things you won't know if you don't learn it yourself first. I love that. Tell me uh, now, I believe that the SEO game was easier to get into back in 06, 07, 08. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not as easy to rank today because there are so many, um, not only just real sites from agents, but there's also, also a lot of ghost pages that are trying to capture lead mm-hmm. information and stuff like that. So yeah. it, it's important for people to understand the SEO play is a long game. It's not something that an agent should, especially if you're just getting started uh, or you just started your agency it's not something that you should count on to fund your business, right? To bring in yeah. the clients and get you in front of people. You'll still I need agree. to invest in the quick leads that are get you talking to people and making sales, which at the end of the day, the SEO is not your moneymaker. Selling is your moneymaker. So you got to find ways to keep getting in front of people. Um, and so I just wanted to, I guess, make that point kind of clear. Yeah. And I agree with that. I think it's certainly true that, you know, we were, in very, very early when it was very easy to rank. And we've been able to adjust with Google as things have changed over the years. I think it would be much harder now to come into that space. Um, We spend uh, probably half a million dollars or more on our SEO every year. It's big, big investment. And you can go out and buy Facebook leads or leads from a number of great lead vendors out there, a number of them who all participate in the groups and are easy to connect with and get leads that way. Money is faster than time. So, you know, put the money into some leads so you can make quick hits. And then maybe somewhere down the road, um, maybe in the beginning, you're putting content out and you're not, wor- you're not worrying too much about um, SEO. But if you learn a little bit and you learn that when you do create a blog post and you work in some keywords and things like that, if you do decide 
decided somewhere down the road to invest a lot more money into the SEO, you can at least have a, a website that isn't um, making grave errors uh, with content or things that Google wouldn't appreciate. Um, so that could be a foundation for you to build on later if you decide to spend the money, but it is very expensive. And I think today for newer agents, there's a lot of better ways to get leads and grow your business than pursuing SEO. Yeah, great, great advice. So I think people needed to hear that from the content queen because you need <laughs> to understand that it is not like, hey, I'm going to put up a website and I'm going to do the right backlinks and voila, business is going to come in. Uh, there is investment involved on the back end and you just spoke to that. Yeah. So uh, Lorena Tom Tomasini is asking, how did you go from selling policies to building this empire? What switched for you mentally? Um, that's great that she calls it an empire. Thank you. <laughs> I guess maybe to some extent it kind of is. You know, I, I look at it all the time and it's so surreal. It is so surreal to me because uh, we just we just trying to put policies on the board, you know, and 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 attacking it from every angle that we could and growing the business. Um, I do think that a lot of our growth to the level that we are today is a result of my brother. Um, when I first started this business, I had other partners and I, they, they didn't have the same work ethic as me, the same goals as me, whatever. The good people just, just I partnered with a couple of people because I, I was um, not confident in my ability to run a business. And that was a mistake. And I ended up having to buy them out. And then I worked for myself for a little bit. And then I thought, you know, I'm going to go get my brother to help me with this because uh, he does have the same work ethic as me, and he was working um, selling mortgages by phone, which is one of the hardest sales jobs in the world. And I uh, recruited him away from that to come down and do this with me. And um, when we were sitting there first talking about it, I remember being there and, and, and showing him like, okay, so you bring in a policy and you put it on the books and you make this much money per month. And so, and I had a little spreadsheet and I had costed out if we were growing our policies to this and this, this is how much we could make. And no lie, this is my brother. And the, the few out there who have met him or know him looks at it and he was like, leans over and puts a couple of zeros at the end of the goals that I made saying, and while he did it, listening to me, he was like, F that, if we're going to do this, this is what we're going to do. And he put the zeros down there and I laughed and then said, Hey, listen, you're the finance and management major. I have a degree in English and journalism and a background in staff in HR. So I'll do this part, but if we're going to go for that number, you manage it because <laughs> I'm just on the, on my, I'm on for the ride yeah. and he has a big vision and we have just been driving ever since for that vision to achieve it. And somewhere along the way, it got to be this really big thing. And the most exciting thing for us right now is just um, having a company of our size and all the things that we can do to make it a great employer and a great place to work. And we love, we love that aspect of it. And those are things that we didn't even know, which would be such great rewarding parts about being an entrepreneur. Um, but in terms of, you know, how it got to be where it is, it was, I can tell you for sure, all the content, all the marketing, all that, that was just me by myself sitting down and figuring it out in the beginning and doing it as long as I could until I didn't have any daylight hours left and then going out and hiring someone to do it better than me. And along the way, it turned into this really big brand. And it's not like we weren't aiming for it. We did, we were, but also there are times when we even look at it and we're like, wow, I mean, this, 
where did we, where did we, how did we get here yeah. when I can remember I'm um, sitting in my car on Davis Boulevard thinking someday when I have enough policies to earn $500 a month, I'll finally be a legitimate agent. And uh, anyone out there that's uh, just starting who might be of that opinion, um, those are really good memories when you get down the road and it's a lot bigger. And, um, you know, we started in the same place. We started in the same place as everyone else. I want, I, want, I want that to be an encouragement to people who are listening, who are just getting started or who have to start again, because everywhere mm. I always like to talk about how, uh, you know, the, the, the rise to success isn't always going to be a straight shot. It's going to be very bumpy and sometimes you'll have to start again and it's okay. You know, I want you to be encouraged knowing that all of us are at that point or have been at that point where we said, you know what, if only I could make this much. And then once you're at that success point, you look back and you're like, that's funny that that was my goal. Like five hundred yeah. a month in residual was my goal, and now look where I'm at. <laughs> now look at it. Yeah, five hundred uh, five hundred a minute or something. Uh huh. <laughs> it's, it's it's insane, right? But I, I do that all the time. I reminisce with my wife, and I, I used to tell like, "Do you remember when we used to struggle to buy McDonald's? Like, yeah. do you remember when we used to struggle to 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 pay our bills to do this or that?" And um, you know, it's just it's, but it it really is a testament to what dedication, consistency, hard work. Uh, and, and ultimately believe in yourself because you, do, yeah. you have to continually believe in yourself when the chips are down in order to reach those pinnacles of success. And you've been such an awesome model for that and an inspiration that I want people to know, even the great Danielle Kunkel has been at that place where she was like, man, if only I can make 500 bucks a month in residual, mm. you know, so yeah. we've all been there. So we've we all have- been there. We have one more question and then I'm going to let you go because I know we're okay. running long. Um, but this has been a great, great conversation. and I really appreciate your time. We you have Pete Nooms who's asking, um, what, what tool or tools are you using with your team to do Medicare comparisons for MedSup or Medicare Advantage? Mm, so we use a lot of the same tools that other people use, right? Um, CSG, Sunfire, uh, it used to be Medicare.gov until they changed things a few years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the great things about those products is that um, we didn't have access to that back in the day. You know, I had a, a, a file, a traveling file folder in my trunk of my car with all the rate sheets because we didn't have quoting materials. You know, now they have apps for this stuff and everything. Um, and there's a lot of good tools out there. We have a, a member in Nahu that also has a program called Search and Save. I was uh, learning about oh, that yeah. at the Tahu Summit earlier this year that he yeah. built a tool that's kind of kind of like um, the Part D tool. We don't use that one, but that's another one that's out there. And there's a bunch that I probably don't even know about. Um, I think it's great to evaluate those options and ask your upline. So a lot of times um, some of the FMOs will have a tool that they recommend or a tool that if you contract with them, uh, one or two contracts, they'll give you free access to this particular tool. So talk with your uplines about the things that they offer. Um, But I know those are two that we use. Um, And then when you get big, uh, man, we didn't have CRMs like what you offer, Eric, back when I was there. Like we had this little dinky program called GBS that cost me $400 a year. And I remember when that bill would come around every year, I'd be like, oh, $400 is so much money. And And that tool later got bought by Agency Block, which we moved to. And now, of course, at our level here, we've graduated into custom with Salesforce, which is millions of dollars of investment into a program like that. Um, But there's really great tools out there 
um, that are available through folks like you that we, we didn't even have that. There was nothing like that back then. We, we yeah. hand wrote those rates down. And if you quoted the wrong zip code, it was always one that was more expensive. You know, you never quoted one <laughs> where you're going back to the client saying, hey, it's even cheaper than I thought. You're telling them I looked up the wrong zip code and it's be $10 more a month, right? That always used to happen. And we're so lucky that we have better tools today. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I think, though, it's important to hear, I mean, outside of the million dollars of CRM, um, it, it's mm -hmm. important for people to hear that you guys are using the same tools that we're already using as well. Yeah. So really, I always tell people there's no there's no real magic bullet to the success that people are having. It's just that, consistence, that consistency in their work ethic, doing the stuff they mm -hmm. got to do day in and day out, whether they feel like it or not. So with that being said, I wanted to allow you to give us some parting words of wisdom so that we can go and kick off October 15th with a bang and really have a great year. So what would you want to say to the audience? Yeah. Um, circumstances happen during AEP. There's going to be some clients that you don't get. Maybe you don't hit the goal that you were striving for, some of those things. And what creates your results ultimately is what you make those circumstances mean. And so I always see agents every year that feel disappointed. And like we were talking about earlier, they don't get to where they're at. You know, you can look at that two different ways and you could just say, you could decide that that means that you didn't do enough. You're never going to make it, blah, blah, blah. Or you could decide that, you know, I didn't hit my goal and that's okay because what I learned is X, Y, and Z. So along the lines of the thing I said about grace earlier, um, you know, we walk around with these stories in our head about our past and what we were and how that affects what we can do. Um, I remember sitting at the 8% Nation conference and some people had come up to me and there was a couple of people that, uh, that had built a really good business, but they didn't feel confident about themselves. And it's all this from these stories in their head that something that happened when they were a kid that made them have low self-esteem or, you know, we, we drag this story around with us. And I like to tell people, you can write your own story. The thoughts that you choose every day are the things that ultimately create your feelings, your actions, and your results. And if you don't make that story more positive, it can actually affect the trajectory of your ability to scale. So, um, you know, there's lots of good motivational content out there right now. I think Galen Hendricks, she puts out some of the best stuff on this. And, you know, start your day off right by thinking something good. And, and then when, a, when something hard happens, just be curious about it. See if there's something that you can learn from it. What could you write down, like I said earlier, and that you could bring back at the end of the year? That mindset's going to be really important, especially if you're going to be agents like Eric and I have been in the past where we're working seven days a week and going full boat. You're going to have days where that, that can really drag you down. And what makes it worse is when you sit there in judgment of yourself. So work on um, seeing what you can learn from this. What can I learn from this experience and take with me and keep that kind of positive attitude heading in? Uh, and then you can carefully evaluate your results at the end without beating yourself up. And you might just find that, hey, I actually did better than I thought. And that, that mindset really served me. Um, either way, just keep in mind that the way that you look at your business is all about the thoughts that are in your head and choose some positive ones if you really want to swing for the fences every year in the AP. I love that. Thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, this has been, uh, I think it's going to be a huge benefit to anybody who watches it. So much great content has been covered today that anybody who listens will be able to apply and will be able to find success in what we're going to do here during the AEP. So thanks 
again so much for your time and we look forward to seeing you guys on the next video hey thanks for watching the podcast if you like the content please hit the like button subscribe to the youtube channel that way you can get notified when more new content comes out we'll see you on the next one